pleased to see you. Glad to know that you're doing well. Glad that you're here with us this morning. If you love the Lord, say amen. amen. If, you're, if you're asleep, say amen. amen. Oh, man. Go with me to John chapter 15. This particular portion of Scripture is very unique. It's Jesus talking. Uh, the Gospel of John perhaps is one of the most personal Gospels in terms of relationship with Jesus. The Scripture seems to indicate that Jesus and John had a very close relationship, and that's great. And so when putting it together, when being anointed by the Holy Spirit to write the Gospel of John, okay, John, under the anointing of the Spirit, puts in these personal things that he knows about the Lord. We need to have a personal walk with God, don't we? Do I need to ask again how many are asleep? So let me read with you uh, from John chapter 15 about the true vine. I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking now. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch, listen carefully, listen to the wording. Every branch in me, Jesus, that does not bear fruit, he, the Father, takes away. That's a very important verse. We'll get there. Every branch that bears fruit, he, the Father, prunes it so that it bears more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And I, I didn't like this verse when I began to read it until I got to see some things. Remember, we do digging with our little trowel, and you know that I love to dig with the trowel, right? Okay. So when I first read that verse, I said, why, why did you put that verse in there? But we'll, we'll get there. You're already clean. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you shall wish. Okay, and I'll explain this so that you don't think that you can ask for what you're not supposed to have. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy Whose joy? These things I have spoken to you that my joy, Jesus' joy, may be in you and that your joy may be full. Okay, let's take a look at these verses that we've just read to you. Jesus identifies himself and the Father. 
He says, I'm the true vine, and his daddy is the vine dresser. Okay, verse 1, we saw that. I have a question already. If Jesus is the true vine, is there a false vine? Did you ever ask that question? Who's the false vine? Okay, now we're on the same page. Jesus is making a distinguish between himself and the enemy because the enemy is out there. If he's the true vine, Satan is the false vine. And let me share something with you. You choose whom you will follow. That is your choice. God never stands behind you with a gun and says, you're going to follow me or else. That is not his way. You follow him because you fall in love with him. You fall in love with him because you recognize how much he loved you. God the Father sent his only begotten son, John 3, 16, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have a... It's a love relationship that God started. I choose to serve God. God does not force me to serve him. Satan, on the other hand, is tricky. You know that. Genesis, he's talking to Eve. God has told Adam and Eve, don't mess with that fruit. Stay away from that apple tree. We don't know if it was an apple tree, but we all talk about it as an apple tree. Stay away from that apple tree because if God said to Adam, you eat that tree, you're going to die. And Satan comes along and says to Eve, honey, he called her honey. You won't die if you eat that apple. As a matter of fact, you eat that apple and you're going to be like God. Did he say that? He's lying. And she bought it. And because she bought the lie, she sinned. And brought sin into a perfect setting that God had prepared for them. That's what Satan does. Well, okay. Let me go on. What is the purpose of the vine? Jesus said, I'm the vine. I'm the vine. I'm the vine. What's the purpose of the vine? Strength. Nourishment. Stability. How many of you have ever seen a branch just floating in the air with apples on it? I know, I know uh, Gary has, but, uh, you know, or, or, or those branches with beautiful cherry. I love cherries, okay? It's just floating along. It's not tied to anything. And it's floating over our heads, Gary, and we just pick the fruit. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. Jesus says, I'm divine. Jesus says, you have to be connected to me. You need my stability in your life. And even though Satan wants to throw those branches up in the air and think they're good for you. You need to understand something. A branch needs a trunk, a vine. Jesus is that trunk. Jesus is the root of what we believe and what we stand for. Jesus is the root of our strength. He is the root of our healing. He is the root of our stability. And he is the root of us taking out of this world in what we call the rapture to be with him forever. He is the vine. There are no branches floating around with lots of fruit on them. Those those branches blow away. They die because they have no root. We're talking about Christians here. We're talking about people who think they're Christians. We're talking about people who go to churches wherever they go 
and they wonder what's going on. But if you're not connected to the vine, we have a problem. And God, Jesus states that. Well, he says, well, I'm the vine. And he says, my daddy, God, is the vine dresser. I love that. God is the divine barber. Hello. Didn't you know that? He's the divine barber. He's, his job is to clip and to cut. And if there's no fruit on that branch, it gets cut away. And in cutting that branch away, Gary, the tree becomes stronger. We do not understand God's process. We do not understand what God is trying to do in our lives when he takes the scissors and goes clip, clip, clip. Some of you who were here when uh, I first came with my wife back in 2020 to be your interim pastor. Some of you who were here, remember I had long hair. All the waves back here. I didn't have very much hair. Still don't. My wife used to cut my hair, seriously. I had, I'm telling you the absolute truth. I have no idea the last time I went to a barber until my wife passed away. Because she just trimmed my hair and made it nice and put the waves back here and she just loved it. See, then I went to the barber after my past, wife passed. And the barber said to me, well, Mr. Greco, how would you like it cut? God will never ask you how you would like your hair cut. He doesn't want any direction from you. And so I told her, well, you know, I've just been long. I need to kind of get it, you know. Okay, and so she, and here I am. Still short, dark. Ruggedly handsome Italian preacher, okay? You all knew that, but I just had to throw that in. Without the long hair, okay? Uh, God does things for a reason. Have you ever seen a Japanese bonsai plant? Can we throw that up on the screen? I, I, you know, I don't understand the Japanese bonsai plant. But I understand the process. I don't have the patience. I don't know whether any of you here have ever trimmed a plant like this. But the person with the bonsai plant is a person that has love for what he's doing, or she. And they look at that plant, and they see things. And they say, if I take the little clipper and just... There's a little stem here. That stem, to, if I stick that stem, oh, how nice that's going to look. And they look again, and they turn the plant. They already have in their mind an idea of what that plant should look like and how it should grow and how it will please them. Is it possible? Is it possible that God looks at you and God looks at me and he has a pretty good idea of what he wants us to look, for, look at, look, look like, and he takes the clippers and goes... Because he knows what he wants to see when the plant is done and the clipping is done. He said, my father 
He's the clipper. And if he doesn't see what needs to be there, it gets pulled out. But if he sees what he really wants to see, if he sees the results, then he looks at the picture and he says, Ah, look what I've accomplished in you. I believe God has results in mind for you and me. I mean that from my heart. Really, seriously. Not just as individual people. I'm talking about the church. I believe God has got his little clipper in his hand, Gary. And he's going... And then he sprays it with this can of love. It's a perfume. A a heavenly... and, And all the pain of the clipping just goes away. And the plant feels so good. Because he looks at you. He looks at me. He looks at us. And he says, I know what you're going to look like when I'm through pruning you. You need to take that personally and we need to take that corporately because God knows what he wants us to look like as individuals because you touch people. You touch people I will never touch. You bump into people I will never bump into. And he knows what this church needs to look like corporately. Because in this valley, there needs to be a bonsai plant clipped by God, fashioned by God, a church that is preaching the word, a church that loves people, a church that loves each other, and a church where people go out to the store, it doesn't matter where you go, what you're buying, you bump into somebody and say, oh, how are you? And they say, oh, can I ask you a question about Jesus? Sure. It's because you're letting God do this. Until the beauty of his bonsai plant in you shows everywhere you go. Somebody better say amen. Amen. Well, in verse 2, we see something. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I have a problem with that verse. Do you know what the problem is? Come on, look at that verse. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away i got a problem. What's my problem? Come on. Think. Dig. Every branch that's in me. There's already branches in God who are not producing and those branches are being cut away. Salvation can go bad in people's lives. People can come to Jesus Christ and accept Him as Savior and then do not follow the teachings of the Lord. Do not stay cooked to the vine. Do not allow the energy and the the nutrition and all the strength that comes from Jesus, do not allow that to continue living in them as they go day by day by day by day and pretty soon there is no fruit on that branch and God can do nothing else but cut it. I don't like that. And neither should you. There should be a reality in your life and in my life that if I want to, I can turn away from God and walk away from Him. He will never push me out of His life. Never. But I can push Him out of my life. That's not God's will for you. The 
Salvation gone, gone bad. We walk away from Jesus. I want you to know something. We've got some bad theology being taught. I'm serious. Okay? We've got people, preachers, well-known preachers, who have said, and I've seen it on, on, on YouTube and all this other stuff, so you can see certain things. <clears throat> God lives in me. Oh, yes, he does. I believe that with all my heart. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God is in me. Therefore, I am a little God. I'm sorry. I don't care who you think you are, dude. You are not a little God. God said to Moses, tell him, I am sent you. And one preacher says, I am now an I am. No, you're not. We've got bad teaching. We've got bad theology. And unless we hang on to the vine, unless we are a branch that's grafted into that vine and will not move, we will get messed up with what's going on in this world, and we will fall away from Jesus. Some of you in this room already know people who once knew the Lord and fell away from Him. God did not push them away. They walked away. They may have felt they had reasons. Maybe they were hurt. And I'm not going to make excuses for them, nor am I going to blame them for everything. I'm just saying, I choose to walk with Jesus. If I don't walk with him, it means I have chosen not to walk with Jesus. I have chosen to come out of the vine, to come out of that source of nutrition, that strength, and I'm going to choose to walk my own way. The word prune, I told you I didn't like that verse 3 about clean. But the word prune actually means to cleanse. So that when that gal with the bonsai plant is going... When God is doing to you, he's not only taking the junk off, he's cleansing you. Well, verse 3, we talked about it. Go with me to John chapter 13, verse 5 through 10, so that you understand that word. He says, you don't need, I've already cleaned you by my word. So let me show you what this is. And this is where Jesus decides to wash the disciples' feet. You remember that? He poured water into a basin, Jesus began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. Okay? So he came to Simon Peter, and, he, and he, Peter said to him, Jesus, Lord, do you wash my feet? Like, what do you think you're doing? Jesus answered and said, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. See, you, you're too high and lifted up for me to let you do something menial like that. Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. Peter said to him, Lord, then not only wash my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. He's talking about Judas. What's going on here? What is the spiritual principle of Jesus washing their feet? The disciples were chosen by God. He says, follow me. Okay, I'll follow. Follow me. And they all 12 of them came along and decided they would follow Jesus. Is that correct? Now, I know Jesus has not died yet, so I'm not trying to change theology. Jesus hasn't gone to the grave. He hasn't been resurrected. So we don't have what we call a born-again experience until the book of Acts. Okay. But when Jesus said, follow me, and they followed him, they became part of him. 
And in that sense, stay with me, they became born again. Do you understand where I'm going here? The, the cross has not ha- happened yet. But in that sense, they are part of his family. Now they now belong to Jesus. And what he's saying to them is, you don't have to get saved every single day because you made a mistake. You don't have to say, fall on your knees, oh, forgive me, Lord, I'm a sinner again. Oh, God, forgive me, I'll go to hell. No, no. That, he's saying, I know you're clean. That's why I only need to clean your feet. Because it's your feet, you're walking day by day, you get the dust of the dirt, all the stuff. And what he's saying is, spiritually speaking, the junk that you get involved with on a normal, ongoing basis, I don't need to save you again, I need to clean you up. God does not need to save you again. But you need to be willing to let him clean you up and take care of that junk. You know the junk that happens that you don't even plan on? See, it's one thing to plan to sin. It's another thing to stumble and get some dirt on you and let me get that dirt off quick. Lord, clean my feet. You don't get saved every day. The foot washing was a sign of daily forgiveness for errors in life. We're washed in the blood when we ask Jesus to forgive us. And unless you change your mind, forgiveness is forever. You're the one that decides, I'm not going to walk with you anymore, Jesus. Well, he has to say, well, okay, if that's what you want. It's not what I want, Jesus. But if that's what, See, you're forgiven unless you turn around and walk away from God. Yeah, your feet get dirty, and yeah, you need to clean them up, and God will help you with that. That's the daily process of walking with the Lord and saying, God, help me through this day, okay? Verses 4 and 5. Go back to John 15, where we were. Verses 4 and 5. He's talking about abiding. Abide in me, and I in you. Okay. The word abide means to live in me. Live in me. And let me live in you. Hmm. I wonder about that. See, this is a two-way street we're dealing with with God. Because he says, uh, you can't bear fruit. A branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. I can't bear fruit. You can't bear fruit unless we're attached to the vine. There are no floating branches with fruit on them. So what he's saying is, I need to abide in him, but I need to let him abide in me, which means any production, any divine production, any divine victories I have requires I have union with Jesus Christ. Well, abide in me. Have you ever heard the phrase, we are the bride of Christ? Oh, really? You believe that? Are you sure you believe that? Wow. Hmm. We are the bride of Christ, which means Jesus is the groom. Oh. Do you want a spiritual divorce? The branch that is not in the tree has decided to go after a spiritual divorce. Did you hear me? 
abide in me, I'll abide in you. And I'm saying, well, I'm not sure. Uh, I think I'm going to go see the divorce lawyer. I'm sorry, you have a problem in your hand. We are the bride of Christ. Nobody wins except Satan, verse 6. Read, read what it says in verse 6 of the same chapter. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch, dries up, they gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. That is the victory that Satan looks to get to you, to get to me. He wants me to file for divorce from Jesus, the bridegroom. I don't think I love you anymore. And Jesus says, really, did I hurt you? Did I do something wrong? Have you, have you seen me cheating with anybody? No. Well, why don't you? I don't know. We go through that process in life where we suddenly don't think we need to say yes to him, that we don't need to be obedient to him. Verse 7 says this, If you abide in me, marriage, and my words abide in you, love, marriage, whatever you wish, ask whatever you wish it be done to you. Let's, let's clarify this verse. God, I wish for $100 million. And nobody said amen. Wow, you are bad people. I don't need $100 million unless God has a plan for my life that will require me doing things for him that will require that kind of sum of money. He's not saying, ask all the goodies that you want. You don't need that Lexus or the Chevy. Outside. Never mind, never mind about that. Okay, all right. What I'm saying is, is, he's saying to you, he's saying to me, abide with me, let me abide in you, and you can ask the Father whatever it is you need in life, and he will produce it for you. It's called a marriage. It's called coming together. It's called understanding your place in life as the bride and his place in life as the groom. For seven years, when I pastored in Tracy, California, I pastored there nine years. But one, I was in the office one day, and uh, my phone rang. And the person on the other end says, Reverend Greco? I said, yes, it's me. This is the chief of police, blah, blah, blah. I even forget his name. Great guy, great guy. We had... Uh, the church was an old church, an old, literally an old building on the main street in Tracy, California. In fact, it was so old, it had a Jesus saves neon sign in front. I mean, that, we're going back years. And, okay, Anybody remember those signs? Okay. So we, we had a board meeting, and we talked about the people, and, and we said, you know, we want to be a church for the community. And the church, when I got there, was called First Assembly of God. I'm an Assembly of God pastor. I got no problem with my organization. But I, I said to the board, I said to the people, we need to be a church for the community. And they're going, oh, okay, Pastor. So we talked and talked and talked and decided, and finally voted on changing the name of the church from First Assembly of God to Tracy Community Church. We painted the, took the sign down, and we painted the building. And because we didn't have a sign to put back up, one of the guys in my church who was a painter painted the whole building. He painted on the front of the building our name, Tracy Community Church. In black, the building was beige. Couldn't help but see Tracy Community Church. Police of chief, chief of police on the phone. Pastor, I want to take you out to lunch. Okay, he said, I'll pick you up at noon. I said, okay, fine. 
He picked me up at noon. Cloyce, his first name was Cloyce. I can't think of his last name. Took me out to lunch and he said, uh, I have a reason for talking to you. I said, okay. He said, I like what you've done. I said, I'm sorry, what did I, what did I do? He said, I noticed the name change on your church. I said, yes. He says, are you really interested in the community? I said, absolutely. That's why we changed the name. He says, I thought so. I had two men in my church who were in the police department. One of those men were on my board. So they knew me. Some, you know, the, some of the folks knew me. He said, uh, here's what I need. He said, I need you to become the chaplain for the police department. No pay, but I'll get you to, I'll get you to meet all the men, and I'll make cards up for you that'll say, Reverend Rudy Greco chaplain. I said, okay, I'll do it. So funerals came, and I did funerals. Weddings came, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. This young couple, police officer, his lovely bride-to-be. They sat in my office, and I did a little counseling with them. And uh, I shared a little bit of scripture with them in Ephesians and so forth, just to, you know, touch base. Because Jesus says, you know, if you abide with me, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So I opened the Bible, and I read the scripture where it says, Wives, submit to your husbands. You're laughing, aren't you? Yes. Careful, Rick. Just careful. Because you know what she did? She went like this. Submit to my husband? She looked at me like I was an idiot. Until I read the last part. Wives, submit unto your husband, which is God. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and died for the church. And then she went, oh. Now it made sense. I'm going to submit to a man who loves me enough that he will die for me. That's what Jesus is saying. If you abide in me, this marriage that we will have together will be unbelievable. Yeah, you need to submit if you're going to abide. Yeah, you need to be doing what I tell you. But I'm going to take care of you like no one else can ever take care of you in your life. I not only did die for you, but I will always be willing to meet your need, whatever it may be. Had a beautiful wedding. I mean, it was great. They loved me. I mean, God just blessed in such a wonderful way. If you abide in me and my words abide, ask whatever you wish. It'll be done. See, asking means receiving. And in verse 8, we read this. My Father, Jesus is talking, is glorified by this. Why? Well, by you asking. Why? Because he's going to give you what you need so you can bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. There's a reason for this give and take between you and me and Jesus. There's a reason, husbands and wives, that there is give and take. There's a reason why you love each other and care for each other and you're willing just to hold, it, just to hold each other and let the other person know how much you love them. Would you understand? And I mean this from my heart. I miss that. You understand that? How about God? You think maybe he misses when we aren't willing to let him hug us and hold us? My father's glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. There's a reason why you're married to Jesus. There's a reason why you can have the right to ask 
for the things that will give you the reality. God wants to be glorified. How? By the fruit of your labors. By the souls that you touch. I was blessed to touch a lot of people when I pastored in Tracy. Really, seriously. It was a wonderful nine years of experience. And God blessed in some very, very wonderful ways. And God is willing to be glorified by what you can do. The people that you touch, the souls that you minister to, your family stability. You don't know how blessed I am. Three sons, all of them love God. Two of them are ministers. Third one's a businessman. They all love God. The kids are all following God, except two that need to be kicked in the butt. And God's a better kicker than I am. Huh? Yeah. They'll get there. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Verse 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. I can't believe that. Do you have any idea? I know you don't because I don't. And I'm not smarter than you. I don't mean that. But do you have any idea how much the Father loved Jesus? Can you comprehend it? Does it fit in your brain? Can you adjust? Can you, you know... He loved his son. But he also loved you, for God so loved the world. Just as the Father loved me, I also loved you. You know how he loved us? Jesus showed his love for us hanging on the cross, because Daddy asked him to do that. So Daddy was saying to the son he loved, I not only love you, but I love that Italian down there that really needs you, and will you do me the favor, son, of going down and hanging on the cross so this kid can preach? And Jesus said, okay, I love him too. Just as the Father has loved me, I also love you. Abide in my love. This is not a joke with God. The Word of God is not a joke. Coming to church is not a joke. Now, I want you to have fun when you're here. You know me by now. I'm talking about the reality of what we are, who we are, what we should be, what God has planned for our lives. You know that. But this message, this kind of preaching, this kind of words that Jesus brought out, it's not a joke, it's reality. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. He's glorified by the people that we touch. Well, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. See, we all ask this question. Am I going to be able to hang in there? Do I have enough strength in yourself? No. In myself? No. But, but is God going to let me hang in here? Is God going to stand by my side? Are the angels going to stand with me and, and hold me up and give me strength? Are the angels going to make sure I'm plugged into the vine, which is my stability, my source, because he's the root And all the strength and nourishment comes up through that root and goes out into the branch. Do you notice that the trunk of the tree never has apples on it? Did you notice that? God isn't producing apples. The branches are producing the apples. But God is producing the nourishment, the stability, the miracle power, the knowledge, the anointing. That's all in the root, the trunk coming up and it just flacks out to you, and you begin to sense the power of the God. If you keep my commandments, 
you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Staying faithful to the bridegroom means you're going to keep his commandments. You're going to do what he asks you to do. Well, okay, I'm almost through. I thought I'd be here till 6, but it's only 11.30. I'm keeping his commandments. Verse 11. These things I've spoken to you that my joy... Oh, did you know that Jesus has joy? you got to dig with your little trowel. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Come on, Lord, what are you talking about? We, we just read that he and the Father loved each other. He and the Father had this joy relationship. Now he's saying, my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. Can I suggest to you that there will be days when you don't feel joy? And those are the days you need to know that there is joy from the Lord Jesus Christ. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. How many of you remember the song, Joy Unspeakable and Full of Glory? Do you remember that song? Let me read to you the words just from the verses. Then we're going to sing the chorus before we close. This, this is the, 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 the words. This is the verse that was written down by this composer. Listen to what he says. I found his grace is all complete. He supplieth every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am free. Yes, free indeed. Verse 1. Verse 2. I have found the pleasure I once craved. It is joy and peace within. What a wondrous blessing. I am saved from the awful gulf of sin. Verse 3. I have found that hope so bright and clear, living in the realm of grace. Oh, the Savior's presence is so near. I can see his smiling face. I have found the joy. No tongue can tell how its waves of glory roll. It is like a great o'erflowing well springing up within my soul. Sing it. It is joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the verse. Full of glory. Sing it. Full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the half has never been told. How many have never sung that song before in your life? You've never sung it. Wow. Then you're younger than you look. I want you to sing it again. It's very simple. One line. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory. Full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the half has never yet been told. Then I'll close after that. Sing it again. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory. Full of glory. It is joy 
unspeakable and full of glory and the half has one more time one more time it is joy it is joy unspeakable and full of glory full of glory it is joy unspeakable and full of glory and the half has never I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 through 18 because we're going to talk about joy right now as I close I gave it the wrong I'm going to read this to you from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love joy how many remember that we are the bride of Christ how many remember the scripture that says when the trumpet sounds the Lord shall descend and those who have gone on before shall come out of their grave and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them in the sky and we shall forevermore be with where do you think we're going to the marriage supper of the lamb do you think there might be joy around that table because he said abide in me he said I love the father the father loves me and we're going to love you and we're going to show you how much joy there is that you will have for eternity when we sit around that table together the banquet table the marriage supper of the lamb and we sense the presence of an of a loving, wonderful, merciful God who said to his son, will you die for Rudy Greco? He said, yes. What kind of joy do we want? We all have things to do in life. You have your own personal life to live. You have your own responsibilities. But when we come together as a family, as a church, we have responsibilities. I want the joy that the Lord flows through with me daily to rub off on somebody else who doesn't have the joy. That's my job. That's your job. And when this community sees how much you love God, it won't won't matter how many people are in this building. It won't matter how many we count. It'll matter what kind of joy we have. And it'll rub off. It'll just rub off on people, dear. And they'll come to you and they'll say, I need to talk to you. I see something in your life. What is it? That, I don't know what I see, but I, can I talk to you, please? Joy unspeakable. I am the vine. Daddy is the barber. And between me and Daddy, we're going to take care of you. You're going to get your strength from me, Jesus says. Daddy's going to clip off the stuff that doesn't need to be there. And when Daddy's through with the haircut, you're going to look just like Daddy wants you to look. Am I making sense? Joy, unspeakable, full of glory. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There are folks that I don't know in this building, and, and I make it a point to emphasize I do not embarrass people but God brought you here this morning and I don't know why but he brought you here 
to hear the word, obviously. And you're saying, preacher, I'm just not sure about where I stand with God. But I'd like to be sure before I leave this building. Will you pray with me after the service? I definitely will pray with you. I won't won't embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up and give an account of whatever you've done wrong. But I just need to see your hand and I will pray with you after the service. Pastor, pray with me. I I, I really need to make sure I know Jesus is my Savior. Just raise your hand quickly. Anyone in this room? Anyone at all? I'm not going to linger. I'm not going to beg you. You know who you are. You know your walk with God. Anyone at all? You're okay? If you're okay, I love that. I just absolutely love that. Is there anyone who, any question whatsoever that I want to pray with you? Okay. Pastor, I know the Lord, but I do need some prayer. And I share with you, sir, madam, after this service, I'm going to stay right here. You come up here. You whisper in my ear, and I will pray with you. Now, Father, I thank you for these good people that you've allowed me to minister to. I thank you because they're loving and they're kind and they're generous. They love you. And I can tell that they love souls. And for this I am grateful. So I ask your blessing upon all these dear people. I ask your blessing as we go day by day about our business. 